You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Wow. Um, So, (laughs) there is some irony, I think, today. We're at the end of this series called Vulnerability. Anybody kind of feel a little vulnerable the last few days? <laughs> oh my goodness, right? And of course, today we end. I, I did, this was planned months ago, like I think June, that we were like, oh, let's do the ser- series on 2 Corinthians and get to the most famous, probably, passage, or people have heard the phrase. We're going to talk today about the thorn in the flesh. Um, I feel like we could uh, paraphrase and call it the hurricane in the hind end. Um, And yet, I think we're all so, this is so raw and so real and so still new, where every one of us is still trying to process through this. What just happened? And what are we supposed to make of it? And um, I'm really hesitant sometimes to make too much or... Uh, you know, get too preachy, especially on a day like today. I think it was um, Jürgen Moltmann that said a true theologian is one who is very hesitant about what he says. Um, uh, the confidence comes from, of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which James shared uh, with these songs this morning and the promises we have. But beyond what to interpret, how to figure things out, where we're going, what's going to happen next, oof. Those are things I better be pretty hesitant about, especially after what we've just been through. Or to assume or presume anything that you've gone through or how you're feeling this morning. And for those who are going to watch this afterwards, I mean, we can't live stream right now. But you could, um, whoever might be watching during the week this message, only God knows and God does know where you're at and what you have gone through and how he's brought you through. But if you're standing... If you're breathing today, that is enough to be thankful for. Praise God, right? So we're going to be a little different. I know this might not be what can be picked up easily on the microphone or for the recording, but I'm going to try to make this a little more interactive today because I think you need to process through this, right? So um, we are going to be um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're just reading the first 10 verses. We're really focusing on the last uh, few verses of it, where Paul talks about something that has puzzled people throughout the ages. What is this thorn in the flesh? Nobody knows. I think it's almost best that we don't. Um, Because I think we've all had a thorn in the flesh, or more. (laughs) Maybe you've had an entire thorn bush (laughs) in your life. Um, But we've all had something that's really kind of like a stake to the heart. We've gone through grief. We've gone through difficult times. I'm looking at people in front of me just went through this hurricane, but we've also gone through Irma, many of us, before this. And we've gone through COVID. But then I look, personally, people have gone through grief and loss and struggles and difficulties and doubts and you name it. It's almost best that Paul didn't tell us exactly what he went through because it fits all of those circumstances, right? Um, So, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. 
I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to the visions and revelations of the Lord. So by the way, chapter 11 that we talked about last week to this one, he talks about the foolishness of boasting, and yet he's going to be a fool and still talk this way. And it reminded me of the one t-shirt I used to have that said, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? Have you ever heard of that one? I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? We're all fools. (laughs) How foolish this last week from how little we know and how much we think we know and how much we boast about what we know and how foolish we all feel, I think, uh, today about, yeah, boy, I didn't see this coming. Not this way, right? Um, And even now in aftermath, what do you make of it? I think it's just, it's okay to be, human beings, we're filled with a lot of folly. Oh, and if anybody's out there defending whatever and just promoting whatever right now, it's like, oh, just please be quiet. We just need to sit and grieve with some people um, who've lost so much. A few members in our church as well, right? And we'll um, we'll get to that a little later. Anybody feel a little foolish today? You know? Anybody feel a little vulnerable? Yeah. Why is that? Okay? Oh, we're going to get to this. Okay. So he goes on. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Notice he doesn't even like say, hey, this was me, although it was. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So this is so in contrast to the fools, these super apostles who talked about all these ecstatic experiences and go into great detail about how great they and ecstatic they were. And God is... Uh, And Paul's saying, if you actually have one of those experiences, the last thing you can do is explain it to anyone. So it just proves right now the super apostles that they call talking about, you know, and you've, you've heard people. It's like they don't know what they're talking about. If they can explain it, if they talk about themselves, if they're boasting about it, then they have no idea. Anybody who's encountered God in the Bible is left feeling foolish at best and often like a piece of dust in front of him. It's like, woe is me, Isaiah says. So you have to wonder about people who puff themselves up. So he goes on. Um, On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So here we go. This is where we're going to focus. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and 
calamities. I think that calamities is what we just, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay. So I think we'll cover these points, but I just do want to um, let us process it. So um, here's the text. I thought these three points, and I'll, it'll uh, make a little more sense, I think. So we have a tendency for hype, but God re has a remedy for that hype and the result of God's remedy and how that works in our lives. So the tendency for hype, and this is where it comes from, actually in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, so to keep me from being coming conceited. He says at the beginning and at the end, to keep me from becoming conceited. The word conceit, anyone, what, what does conceit mean? Yeah, so the, the Greek word behind it actually is kind of interesting. It's it's hooper arrow, and it means hyper. <laughs> you know, hype. You know how people hype things? To, um, so hyper, and then to raise up or elevate. So hyper inflating ourselves. Do you think we have a human tendency to do that? Even Paul thought he did. And he has to say it twice in this, to keep me from being conceited. He had these great revelations. And so... He has this thorn in the flesh. God gives him this thorn in the flesh to keep him from being conceited. So um, whenever anything happens to me, I tend to exaggerate. You know, that fish is just a few inches longer. Do you understand that phenomenon? Yeah. Or um, that performance was just a little better, you know? Um, I think there's an old joke, I can't, uh, if I can remember it now. Well, you know, pastor was sitting down at the, the, the lunch table with his wife and said, honey, what did you think of the sermon? And she said, oh, it was good. He goes, yeah, you know, I'm just wondering how many great preachers there are right now in the United States. And his wife said, probably one less than you're thinking. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. There we go. We pad our resumes. We market our own self as a brand. And uh, the more glam, the more fame. And we tend to admire people who do it even more than we do. And we, the thing is, we wish we were them. And it's all hype. There's no substance to it. So um, David Zoll talks about this in his book, Low Anthropology, which I just finished reading. Um, what he means by low anthropology is just, let's be real about who we are as human beings. Um, we tend to have a high estimation of ourself often. And we think, oh, we're able to achieve so much. And he, um, let me tell you, that gift of perfectionism is the gift that keeps on uh, killing. <laughs> it keeps on hurting. It keeps on damaging. It's the idea that, oh, I can do this. Oh, we can handle this. We can put it together. We can, and it's like, oh, come on, just let it go, right? So he writes this, a high anthropology views people as defined by their best days and greatest achievements, their dreams and their aspirations. A low anthropology assumes a through line of heartache and self-doubt that the bulk of our mental energy is focused on subjects that would be embarrassing or even shameful if broadcast, and that our ability to do right 
uh, the right thing in any given situation is hampered by all sorts of unseen factors. Paul himself was able to say he's a clay pot and chief of sinners and a bond slave of Christ, and he could see that he had a tendency, even as one who had met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, to hype himself. And he needed, in a sense, this thorn, whatever it was. Hmm. So what is God's remedy for this? 2 Corinthians 12. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Now, um, this is what I'm thinking when I read this. It's like, um, God, isn't there something else? Can't you just, like, give us a word from the Lord, don't be arrogant, and that will do it? Or how about... um, Thou, sh- you know, how about a lesson in humility in some form? Can I just read a book on it and get it? And the answer is usually not. I don't know about your life, but if I don't go through hard things, I usually don't learn anything. It's the hard lessons when you look back that have actually produced the most in your life. That's a hard thing to say right after this. It's a little too soon for Ian. But I'm wondering if any of you now, looking back at what you've gone through in life, what God has brought you through, where you could still sing that last song about how faithful your God has been and how good he has been, even through the heartaches and the losses and the difficulties and the struggles. Okay, any of you right now want to share a little? Or is it a little too raw? What do you think? Am I on track with this or am I... a really rough time. And we're going to be praying for them specifically. They, uh, Tom and Lori in our congregation had um, the seven feet of storm surge, as Tom said, go through their house. So they were not there at the time, but um, they've lost all the material things in that home. And um, now it's going to take a long time to rebuild. And I'm not sure how they're feeling at the moment. I've got quite a few people in our area right now that only are feeling the loss. And I think it's okay to feel the loss. In fact, to feel otherwise, to just try to be Pollyanna about it is, that's not being real. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Cape Coral. Yeah, we can't even name all the places that have been so devastated and hit so hard. And how much has been lost, of the, um, and how many lives now. We don't even know. We don't even know. 70, what? I think more. In the 70s, at least statewide. Yeah. So we're facing a lot. And... Um, you're already kind of showing some of the benefits. <laughs> no, it's the weirdest way to put it, right? Um, and why Paul shared this, right? Um, when you've had pains in your life and you've probably cried out to God going like, why do we have to go through this at all? 
I'm not going to try to explain it because I don't know, but I have seen some of those benefits come because you are already showing such compassion to people who have faced loss in this situation. Does that make some sense there? And if I have never gone through any hardships in my life, I'll be honest, I would be so full of myself and thinking, oh, just get over it, right? Oh, it can't be that bad. The reality is we have more in common with each other in our sufferings and our struggles than we do in our, quote, victories and achievements. And actually, in our vulnerability and openness to the fact that we've all gone through things at different times in life, and some people right now in devastating ways, you're, that's what we connect with. I, um, we're going to jump ahead in the slides, and I think this comes from David Zoll. He said, the most lasting and transformative bonds between individuals are almost always sealed through the weaknesses rather than strength, suffering rather than flourishing, vulnerability rather than nobility. If high anthropology alienates us from one another, maybe low anthropology can bring us together again. The idea that if you expect people to have to be perfect or always right, or I have to be right, you're going to really alienate everybody around you. But if you can accept people in their losses, their grief, and even right now in some of their bad driving <laughs> and impatience at stops, stoplights that aren't working, and in the in, in, in the public's grocery stores or wherever and just how everybody is just trying to grab in some ways to just go like, you know what? They're probably doing their best at this moment and I'm going to have some understanding because I'm feeling pretty out of it myself. You're going to have a lot more connections. And um, what's happening, I think, is our ministry is going to be in our weaknesses. So what's interesting, too, about this thorn in the flesh, we don't know what it was. And I'm going like, why, God, why, God, did you, why did Paul have to, I mean, of all people, Paul doesn't seem to need anything like this. He's already serving you so much, right? Three times, the text says, Paul asked God to remove it. Do you know what that reminds, um, that's kind of uh, parallel or conforming to? Three times, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I was thinking, you know, when I heard the news uh, that we might get, you know, this hurricane might be coming, it could be a major thing at all, I'm going like, Lord, really? I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if any of you felt that way, but it's like Irma five years ago. Oh, my gosh. And afterwards, there was at least six months, by the way, that we as a church were trying to serve and give and help and sacrifice and clean up yards and everything. And it was like, oh, Lord, I can't do that again. And then it's like, Lord, that was the first. And then uh, a couple years later, we got a little respite finally. And then COVID hits. And it's like, oh, Lord, and we shut down. We go through all of this stuff. And we're just kind of, and then now it's like, Really? Three times, Lord, for this area? Really? But doesn't that bring us together, too? That's, uh, like it or not, this is what I, I need my bubble popped, that hyperinflation uh, 
how full of myself I can become. I don't know if you know that, uh, but that's human nature for all of us, you know, kind of like the... We did. We did. And we're going to probably do it again. I, um, the good news is um, I've got friends already, pastors in the Tampa Bay area specifically, that have um, called me up. Well, not called, texted. And I got them two days later because, you know, cell phone service. But they're asking, what do you need? Can we bring a team down? How can we help? Um, I think our ministry is going to be in our weakness and saying, look, we need help. We have members who need help right now. We're going to try to help each other, but it's okay to receive help too. And I think this time around, in Irma, I don't, uh, we had one or two families that really got devastated, um, lost their home for a long period of time and stuff. The most of us got through that one pretty well. This time, we've got members that have really gone through it, like we've mentioned the Hayes, um, but there are others as well who've gotten flooding and or lost um, their, their um, trailer, um, their car to flooding, et cetera, um, and just the trauma, okay, just the trauma of it all again. And we're gonna, it's going to be tough, but I think it's time to say, okay, We'll become the conduit, maybe, for other groups um, who feel, I'll tell you, Tampa's feeling pretty fortunate right now, right? Um, after they see what happened here, who want to help and assist, and we can try to direct them in the right ways and figure out how we can partner with them. But it's like, Lord, I'm not going to have the strength. And God's kind of saying, exactly. It's time for you to just rely on me. And we did. We came together through that. And I think through COVID, we did our best, you know, and the Lord uh, was able to work. It's fascinating. So thorn in the flesh, right? Don't know what it was. Oh, by the way, the, uh, the and it says to harass me. The word actually, um, kalafidzo, is the Greek word for to kind of, punch with the knuckles, <laughs> a strike with the knuckles. It's kind of like we just had a knuckle sandwich given to us. What? By God. By God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pow. To just say, wake up, maybe, or just get off your high horse. Deflate things a little. Be real. Be honest. Be open. I don't want to say too much about that. Um, I don't want to be insensitive to people who are in the midst of it, going like, I'm still smacked by this, and it's hurting. Um, but like I think we said, we have more in common. And now the great equalizer, Ian, in some ways, certain communities hit more than others, but no one is spared from at least seeing and witnessing what others are going through down here. Um, so, a thorn in the flesh, actually, it's what's amazing is that is exactly what happened to our God, Jesus, 
gets a thorn, a crown of thorns in his flesh. Um, the Bible will speak in Isaiah, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Um, a sword pierced or a spear pierced his side. He has his feet, his hands, his side, five wounds still to this day. We know that because he told Thomas after the resurrection, place your hand right here. Look at my hands and feet. I'm the one that was crucified and now is resurrected. He doesn't lose his wounds. We have a God who understands those wounds. He gets the thorns. And what's fascinating is it wasn't just a one-time deal and now he's on with it. Um, I like what um, Dinsmore said. He was a theologian that said, there was a cross in the heart of God before there was one planted on a green hill outside of Jerusalem. In other words, when God started this whole project, this whole um, artful, let's do this, let there be light, he had already said, to himself and to his son, let there be a cross. He knew. He knew what it would take from him to bring us through this. In some ways, we're probably closer to God in our woundedness than we are in any other way. Um, so Martin Luther finally said this, <clears throat> in this way, God wants to make us conformed to the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ, so that we may become like him here in suffering and there, in that life to come in honor and glory. So I think we need to embrace our own vulnerabilities through this storm, to praise God for the life that we have, the gifts that we have, and now be open to people who are really hurting today. And that's where our ministry as a church will be and as a people will be, as neighbors will be, as friends and coworkers. So if you are hurting, if you're part of the congregation that um, is in just like, ouch, you know, here's my house and it's a mess, um, I've got flooding, or I f I'm facing loss, we need to know because we want to love on you. And if you have people elsewhere, um, neighbors, friends in that shape, we need to know because we need to love on you. And we might not be able to solve those problems, but I have a feeling I've got friends and you've probably got others too that want to come down and help and assist with that. And that is, I think, where our ministry will be. We had all sorts of plans, you know. I think, um, you know, we've got some things that are coming up. We'll still possibly do some of them, but others is like, you know what? That's just not that important anymore. <laughs> so ironic. We're going to have a retreat this Monday and Tuesday on Fort Myers Beach for our college students because they were off school on Tuesday. I don't even know if the retreat center is there. The students are, yeah, we're off until the 10th um, at FGCU, and thankfully, I think we're going to need this week to process everything. So let's stay connected. Let's stay open to each other. Let's try to figure things out. 
And there are people here today who are fortunate, like Lisa and I, we have power, um, that if you want to come and wash clothes, you know, if you need a shower with real hot water, you know, um, I think there's a number of others in the congregation that are saying the same thing. Um, we're going to be there for you, and we're going to try to help out as much as we can with what we've got, as limited as it might be at this point in time. 